0: Let's listen keenly and observe this group fondly known
1: as the Iron Fist and the Velvet Glove. Welcome back, dear listener. We're back. Episode 287. Uh, Thank you, Smiley Al, for that intro. We're ready for a new intro, Smiley Al, or anybody else out there who wants to do an intro for us. So um, hit us up with something if you've got a, a good intro for us. This is the Iron Fist Velvet Glove podcast. I'm Trevor, aka The Iron Fist, with me as always, Scott the Velvet Glove.
2: G'day Trevor, g'day Paul, g'day Joe, g'day listeners. And for those of you keeping track, I am still on the dole. But I did have a ra- rather good interview this morning. Yes, so.
1: I had the feeling you will be employed uh, in 24 hours time.
2: Well, I don't know. We'll mm. have to wait and see. But yeah, that was the impression that I got. Mm. I'll either be there or I'll either be employed or just missed out. So.
1: Thoughts and prayers, Scott.
2: <laughs> yeah, you can take your thoughts and prayers and shove them. So.
3: <laughs> Twelfth man, you're back. You're full of verve and vigour, I hope.
0: Greetings, the Earthlings and mm. Trevor and Joe and Scott. Good mm. to be with you guys.
1: Joe, the tech guy looking after things. Thank you, Joe. Good evening all. Right. Dear listener, I forgot to mention this to you guys as well. Next week, I'm in Sydney, so no no podcast next week. Oh. Yeah. No, no. Mm. This one we might mm. chop it in half. It might be divided into two, or it might just put it up as a whole. And dear listener, you might want to, if you want to, if you hit pause can't, halfway. That's right,
3: and <laughs> listen to the second half next week. That might be what you should do because I got a strong feeling there won't
1: be one next week. So, uh, so anyway, and for those of you in Sydney who might want to meet up, um, get in contact. Probably do a meet up on the Friday night next week. So. Get in contact. Um, right, gentlemen, we had – I managed to get through some old emails and had some stuff from some people that I've just caught up with. And apologies to Patrick, who is in Scotland. Scotland. And I finally got to your email, Patrick, who said, Hi, Trevor, I'm a big fan of the show, currently in Aussie in Scotland, so I can't often watch the episodes live. I have a few questions from the most recent show. Regarding the Australia Day debate, I think a key question you didn't address is – what is there to be lost by changing the date? Does it set a detrimental precedent? If so, does that outweigh the potential benefits of changing the date? If not, are there any downsides to changing the date? I don't think we feel like there are any downsides. It's just coming up with a date for some reason other than randomly plucking it out of the air. I think we're up for a change and there's no real downside as far as I'm concerned. I don't think any of us think there is well,
4: one. Is is changing the date going kind to... Of- actually solve the problem. No, um, but it's not a downside. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's not going to make it worse.
2: It's no. one Sorry. of those things. It's just um, I agree with you, Trevor. I mean, once we actually become a republic, then that would be the day that yeah. makes sense for us to become mm. a, our national day is the day we become a republic. Mm. However, um, I agree mm. with you also. It's not going to solve the problem because no. the Indigenous people People will still find something to complain about. Mm. So, yep. I just From think, their
1: point of view, it, that won't fix anything. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. And More well, specifically, indigenous activists. Mm, mm. Yes. I don't think think we should really generalise right. too much yes. about indigenous people. Indeed. As we discussing
1: they, they hold different views. Mm. Yep. He also says, "This is from Patrick. I was disappointed at the lack of pushback from you and Velvet Glove on the Twelfth Man's cultural stagnation argument." as a reason that Aboriginal culture should be celebrated less than Western culture. What are we trying to celebrate on Australia Day? Why does the fact that Aboriginal culture may not have changed as rapidly as Western culture have any impact on whether or not it is worth celebrating on Australia Day? Uh, A couple of things there, Patrick. If we were to push back on everything the 12th man says that we disagree with,
3: we'd never get anywhere on this podcast. Sometimes we have to let some things slide. But, um...
1: um Look, we can celebrate both Indigenous and Western culture on the same day. Why not? Sure. I think. Yeah. Um, uh, Thanks again. Love the show. Value the 12th man's role as a devil's advocate greatly. Uh, I agree it's one of the factors that makes the IFVG podcast different from any other podcast. And he says, regarding lockdowns, I invite him to spend some time in the UK and then decide how he feels about lockdowns. Most people here are very envious of the position Australia is in. Keep up the good work. Patrick.
0: Thanks, Patrick. Even if I wanted to, I couldn't ta- accept his invitation because mm. the Australian government has imprisoned us.
1: Yes, it has indeed. Yeah. <laughs> yep.
0: That's no exaggeration.
2: I know
1: mm. they've imprisoned us. But it still the case you can't leave. Yeah. You can't leave.
2: Right. You've got to get government permission to leave. Unless right. you're
0: really rich or famous, yeah. or, right. you know. Yeah. I mean, uh, Ziggy Forrest mm. did a tour. Um, recently, last year in fact, he, I think he came back in December. Right. He was allowed to go, of course, swanning around the world for months at a time in his own private jet because yep. he's very, very wealthy and yes. he owns a big mining business.
1: Yes. Yep. He
0: did do the uh, quarantine when he came back, mm. but, you mm. know, the rest of us, we're mm. just not allowed to leave unless we can give the government mm. a really good reason. What
1: if they set a rule, you can leave, but you can't come back till the pandemic's over? No, that's been tried. There was
0: yeah. a there was a couple. Re, you may recall we've talked about this before. There was a couple some months ago who wanted to go and visit the wife's elderly mother in Europe.
1: And I, they, I agree, they weren't allowed to. But they, what, what would you think of that law?
0: I thought it was outrageous. But no, but
1: what do you think if they said you could, you can leave, but you can't come back until the pandemic's over? You because <sighs> you're just too much hassle for us. Well, but, maybe. But, but, you, shouldn't but be, you shouldn't be prohibited from yeah, leaving. Yeah, but there, you can see some sense in that sort of... I can see ball. some sense. Okay. Not
0: very much, but some. Okay. But certainly you shouldn't be prohibited from leaving mm. if that's your wish.
1: You can check out any time you want, but you can never
3: leave.
2: (laughs) (laughs) What song is that?
0: um, Hotel California. California. right, the Eagles. But,
2: you know, you've got the situation that the last two cases of a community (laughs) transmission came from quarantine workers at hotels
0: in Melbourne. Yes, Mm. which shows they don't fully understand how the virus
4: is transmitted. Well, it's airborne.
1: Well, maybe they understand it, but it's just a difficult thing
4: to manage. Okay. Or maybe that running a proper quarantine is difficult.
3: Yes, yeah. I don't know.
0: a virus is mm. not a cockroach. You know, mm. you can't just call in the pest control and you know spray some gas around.
1: Mm. It's a tricky thing. It's a
3: very tricky thing.
1: Hello, in the chat room to everyone there: Daniel, Aaron, John, Bronwyn and Mel. Hello. Right, Um, I'll just put it in the show notes here. We spoke a few weeks ago about the members of the Council of the Order of Australia and we were wondering who they were. And there's a list there that you found, 12th Man. You emailed it through. So I'm just putting the list up there. I had a look at one who seemed to be the wife of some arms supplier to the government, but I didn't (laughs) have time to sort of go through it in any great detail. An arms supplier, really. Yeah, and I don't really want to go into... into that one. So, anyway, there's a list there of those people. Um, while we are on COVID matters, uh let's talk about opinion polls. And there's one here, how would you rate your state government's response to the COVID-19 outbreak? And this is a poll from the 1st of February. And in terms of approval of good um New South Wales seventy-one percent, Victoria sixty-one, Queensland seventy-eight, South Australia eighty, and Western Australia eighty. That is incredibly high figures of approval of a program. Like it, it's a very high figure. Would you agree? Like it's hard to get an eighty percent. Yeah, the, the, public the, the numbers are uh, high. Public acceptance, a rating of good of anything. That's it's an extraordinarily high. There's overwhelming support for what's happened. Now you may. Your argument, Paul, I think would be that they're misguided and they don't understand what's going on and they've been conned.
0: I think they've been and, conned big and, time. And,
1: and others would say that, Same in New Zealand. that they've been misled by the media into being fearful. So yes. they're overly fearful Absolutely. and they've been conned. Would Absolutely.
0: Be, yeah. Same in New Zealand. Apparently mm. the uh, New Zealand government mm. was, you know, won mm. re-election mm. handsomely and yet it, I read a... St uh,
1: Jacinda was yeah. worth voting for, Paul.
0: Was she indeed? Mm. Well, apparently she hasn't delivered on her programs, her mm. promised programs, very, very successfully. So, mm. some people would say Well, she
2: was only just re-elected. I think you've got to no, give no, her no, time. No, no, the
0: programs she promised on her first election, Scott. Yeah, I, I
2: know. When she was in, she was in coalition <laughs> with someone else that had her by the short and curly, so she couldn't get anything done. But, but I don't if,
0: think that's the case.
1: Well, but if people didn't like her reasons for not achieving those things, then they wouldn't have voted her back in, would they? No, I think it's
0: the same, same as here. You think you know? they've been conned? Yeah, I think they've been conned into. Right. Well, it's not. It's not only that she presents well. Right. I'll give her that. She presents right. very well. She's she's an attractive, youngish woman. She has a lovely smile, beautiful teeth. Right. Uh, she projects empathy and wa- human warmth very effectively. Mm. So you know, she's she's a good front person for right. the New Zealand Labour Party.
1: You must be quite. Well, if you say, so in your view, like 80% of, like these 80% approval figures must be quite disheartening for 80%? you. Where's
0: yeah, 80%? Where's the 80 For the
1: um, response on COVID, for example.
0: Oh, I've seen South Australia and <laughs> Western Australia. Yeah,
1: yeah. You must, it must just ruin, from your point of view, your faith in humanity, because... You're one for education and people, once they understand something, will arrive at the right conclusions and we have to have faith in people's ability to rationalise things Mm. and and arrive at an answer. And if 80% of people, in your view, have come to the wrong conclusion, Mm. it must shake your faith in that argument.
0: It it shakes my faith in our education system. I I honestly don't think our education systems really uh, instil much idea about what people are losing when they give up their civil liberties mm. to a government, you know, right. who says, sorry, everybody stay home for, you know, mm. two weeks or mm. th- three so months. So people have whatever. just
1: made a bad calculation when they've done the assessment and how it's affected them and they just, um, they've just,
0: just... You and I have discussed this mm. before. As, mm. Australians generally have, you know, lived pretty well for mm. quite a while and I think... Affluence breeds uh, complacency and apathy. Mm. So I don't think people really appreciate what they're giving up when they allow the government to strip their civil liberties. Does it give you any
1: pause for concern when eighty percent of people have a different, a, a markedly different opinion to you? Do, does it make you stop and think?
3: Eh, if I have I missed something here? Have I got something wrong? Maybe I'm wrong. If, if, Look, if I walk into a room and. I,
1: and it's an average sampling of Australians, mm. and 80% of them said a completely opposite opinion to me,
3: I, I, I would have pause. Just, Trevor, it doesn't make you pause. Trevor,
0: I am one of those people <laughs> who reflects quite a lot on my yeah. own understanding of things. Mm. I don't... I mean, I might sound very confident, mm. but actually I, I do reconsider things quite a lot mm. and, and, and try to wonder... You know, have I got it wrong? Have Mm. I got it right?
1: Because this whole thing is a weighing up process Mm. of uh, there's got to be some restrictions. There's got to be some damage to the economy. It's a weighing up of where is the line. And it's not sort of an empirical formula that you can just lay out. And Mm. it's sort of a judgment call by 80% of people saying, as far as they're concerned, the line was at the right spot for them personally. And if the line was at the right spot for 80% of people, then the line's probably in the right spot, Would, wouldn't you say? I
0: dare say there were even people who were very badly economically affected by it.
1: Scott who, could be one. Who,
0: yeah, but Scott's not that badly off overall, even though he's been unemployed he's for been a while. He's been affected by it. He has no. been affected, but some mm. people have been mm. virtually ruined. You know, mm. People who've sunk their life savings into a small business, for example, mm. like a cafe or a you know, mm. some sort of small business mm. that was virtually shut down and bankrupted mm. during last year. Mm. Now, those people are the ones who really should be angry um, and for good reason, I think. Right. But look, you know, people you know make their judgments on a, on a range of factors, I suppose, and mm. maybe they're different to the ones I, mm. I use to evaluate the situation. Mm. Don't you think
2: that given the economic numbers we have seen recently that we look like we've gone into a very steep v-shaped recession we went in quickly and we're coming out quickly and we are coming out quickly arguably because of our excellent response to covid now if you compare that to the united states the united states has got a population what 10 times the size of us about
1: 13 times 13
2: times okay they're losing 4000 people a day Therefore you could assume That one thirteenth of that fourth hour If you were to take the opposite side of that And say well we shouldn't have done lockdowns We shouldn't have had had compulsory masks All that sort of thing we could end up with 1 13th of 4,000 four people. It's what, 300 people a day. 330
0: be, million is the population. Yeah,
2: I know, which is about 13 times the size of our population. Yeah. So R- we roughly say divide.
0: Three, losing, what did you say? Rough, 4, roughly
1: divide people by a day. 10. So if there's it's, what?
0: It's we get, still not a huge number. If of we're getting up to
1: the total the number of Americans who have died of COVID, it's getting close to 450,000. Yeah, 450,000, yes.
0: Th- th- let's not get into the numbers but, of deaths but, because we've been through that infinite. Well, well, that's
3: the
1: point that but Scott's the, making, though, no, is 40,000. Well, 000. I think
0: the point Scott's mm. making is that the Australian economy seems to be rebounding. Yes. But I'm not talking about the national economy. I'm talking about those people in the community who've lost everything. Now, the economy mm. can go gangbusters. They're still going to be broke, you know? Mm. So these are the people that's, I'm talking that's about. That's why we need to support them. It's the people that's who why we need to support didn't them. have secure employment mm. or who had... But, but would their, your argument therefore their be small
1: business destroyed? Would would your argument therefore be that the rest of the community, the eighty percent who haven't suffered, should be paying, offering levy. more compensation for those who suffered a lot? Because I agree with you, a there kind are, of levy. There are people in this who have. There's sort of people have really suffered badly. There are some, and some who, really and, and the majority obviously haven't really suffered economically at all. So maybe the problem is really that more has to be offered to the people who've lost a lot.
0: Possibly, mm. but I still think the strategy was misguided.
1: Okay, I disagree. Let's move on, Scott? You,
2: You've only lost nine hundred and nine people in Australia. I'm not talking about the deaths. Uh,
0: you, well, well, but, you, because mean, you don't want to. No, 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 mm. no. You can't. You can't just evaluate the situation on the number of deaths. It's that's just too simplistic. It's a pretty well, good what metric.
1: You, what would you use then? It's a but it's a more important metric than a lot of people's, others.
0: People's lives are impacted who didn't necessarily die, you know. A lot, yeah. lot more people mm. were negatively affected than the numbers who died. We didn't have huge deaths in Australia. There was, mm. what was it, 8,900.
2: 909 900 yeah. 900 people have died so That's
0: right. Which is not a lot of deaths. But tens of thousands of people would have been very, very badly affected. Mm. I mean, public servants but, but, but and people well, with... The,
1: the, the whole thing of this is, granted, that is true. But the question is, what are the alternatives? What would have happened in the alternative scenario?
0: I don't think it would have been very different. Well, and We've that's where, that's where before.
1: people have made a judgment because yeah. we... Because We've they've been at, told. Because, well, they've also looked at... This they've is, been filled with fear. And well, well, they've basically looked at the experiments running around the world because the world's a bit of a, a laboratory yeah. of different options here. That's right. And people have gone, you know what, we're kind of like Americans. We're kind of like UK, the British, culturally. And they sort of look at those and they go, well, we could easily have been in that position. Yeah, and then but- they go, well, but we're in our position and we're in the Kiwi position. And they're making a judgment and they're going, yeah, I think I know what I prefer. So, yes, the, but we so when we say we don't know, we've got pretty good idea of what could have happened. I don't think we do. I think geography is a
0: huge factor. It's not just similarity yeah, just, just, of social culture Yeah, but Paul,
1: you
2: were just saying before that we shouldn't be closing our borders. That's right. So we shouldn't be closing our borders. So we should have people coming in from all over the world. So what, what good does our geographic...
1: Mm. Our isolation is wiped, away, is under wiped that.
0: away under that sort of yeah. position. Look, you know, to be, to be fair, I, I thought closing the borders might be a sort of solution, you know, to stop people bringing the virus in. But once the virus is in, I don't think lockdown was a good idea. Okay, I'll put it that way. But again, you know, everybody forgets to mention Taiwan. How many mm. people died in Taiwan? Mm. Do you know? No. Fewer than 10. Good on them. They've got a similar Is that population. Good? Is that good? Fewer than 10 but, but people Paul, died.
1: Under your scenario, I don't know whether that's good or not because if, if 20% of Taiwanese shopkeepers are completely broken in the no, streets, then no, they're not. The, the, well, because I, they didn't have but, an extended you see, lockdown. See, now you're giving me the metric of their death as being an important one. They
0: didn't have an extended lockdown like right, us, right. and they but, only had fewer than 10 deaths. Right. So there you go. This is, this is more evidence.
1: Did, did, they lockdown, close their, did they close their borders under quarantine? Did they qu- stop?
0: They, very early, they stopped flights coming in from mainland China. And have they still stopped them? No, I don't think so. But I, Anyone can may, go into Taiwan? No, no, no. I, I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> well, well, but listen, similar population to ours, they live much closer together than we do here. Their mm-hmm. cities are quite densely packed. Mm-hmm. Fewer than 10 deaths. And they did not. But you've have told us before <laughs> that's not an important lockdown. metric.
1: So why is it now important?
0: Well, it's, it's an indicator. What's,
1: it's the, a, what's happened to the economy? So
0: you're saying. But, but we what's did happened well, to the economy? The economy's fine. Is it? Yes.
1: Is it going
0: as better than ours? Much better, I would say. Because they you're sure of that? Well, I, I am in sh- regular communication sh- with a d- Taiwanese friend, and she told me, no, everybody's going to work as normal. But,
1: but that's what somebody in Queensland would say. Yep. Yeah. If, if somebody in America rang their Australian friend and said, housing's things going,
3: they'd say everyone's going to work as normal. My, my friends. But we did it for months. But but people would say they would give the same answer. Uh, but Wouldn't it's not, the, not exactly it, the same. Would they
4: give the same I, answer? I wandered around Bunnings uh, the weekend on a video call with friends in the UK and they couldn't believe people were in the shops without masks. Yeah,
0: well, The UK is totally stuffed up, I yeah. would say. Totally stuffed.
4: Up. Let's move on. We, let's move on um,
3: in I the chat room. Just lots of good. There's lots of. you're coming from? There's lots of good comments in the chat room. We'll move on. It's it's good to just dip into that for a little bit and then jump straight out again. So, uh,
1: pork barrelling. <laughs> yes. Uh, New South Wales is a basket case, and Australia is becoming one when it comes to
0: ideology. Just- Sorry, somebody says twelfth. You're putting ideology and feelings before facts. Mm-hmm. Give me a fucking break. What ideology did I mention? Freedom. Freedom is you, you, an ideology. You have a, you isn't?
1: Have a, you have a very pro freedom ideology.
0: I think our, our civil have, rights
1: are worth something. You, you yes. have a very libertarian freedom ideology. I think that's what. And I, what's your ideology? So, so what's, what's my ideology? Yeah, see,
0: I mean, they could say the same to you. Trevor, you're putting ideology before freedom. Everybody has ideology, by the way, John Simmons. Everybody. So don't just single me out and right. say I'm being ideological. It
1: right. was Aaron. All of us are right.
0: being ideological. Right. I think you should have been Aaron. Direct- Aaron yes. Sorry, sorry right. John, it was Aaron Claxton. Yeah. Right.
1: Okay. Right. I mean,
0: but- saying it's ide- I'm putting ideology, it's not about ideology. It's about choices that we make, you know. We all have ideology. Your ideology is socialism. My mm. ideology is freedom.
1: <laughs> I, I don't really rely on a socialist ideology when I look at the the response to COVID. I don't believe that for a moment. Be- because I think a, a pure capitalist could look at Australia's response and agree with a pure communist that the response has been appropriate. So I, I think your economic ideology could arrive at the very same conclusion when it comes to COVID. I think your freedom ideology... I think Aaron's probably made a good point there, actually. Do you? Mm. You don't agree that a capitalist well, and, how, a I being and a socialist... and a Do you agree with me that a capitalist, socialist and a communist could all agree that Australia's lockdown and quarantining has been a good thing?
0: It would depend on other aspects of their ideology, it's, it's possible. for sure. Yeah. So it's
1: not really ideologically driven, um, my response <sighs> from a sort of... A, uh, a supporting the working class sort of mantra, if you like. It's more about Utilitarian. other things.
0: Hmm. I think it's communitarian. Mm. So Isn't
1: it? Communitarian.
0: You know, like for the, for the, for the common good rather than the indiv- individual good. See, <sighs> Look, I'm very much on individual rights. I think that's extremely important. Not yes. to the exclusion of everything else, yeah. but, mm. yes, I'm more on uh, strong and individual rights. But anyway...
1: okay moving (laughs) on um let's see uh back to new south wales so they had a quarter billion dollar stronger communities fund and nearly all of the money went to coalition electorates
4: you surprise me
1: Mm. and gladys berejiklian said it's not an illegal practice Governments in all positions make commitments to the community in order to curry favour. I think that's part of the political process, whether we like it or not. It's not something that I know the community is comfortable with, and if pork barrelling is the accusation made on this occasion, well, then I'm happy to accept that commentary. Jesus
4: Christ. She's just. She's started to lose it, hasn't she? Like she's not no, 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 trying she, She's taken lessons from Trump. Don't don't deny the accusation, just embrace it. Isn't she just being honest? Indeed, Joe. Isn't she just being honest? All
1: politicians
0: do it. All political parties do it. She's just being frank.
1: Not to the extent. This this did not happen like this 25, 30 years ago where there were rorts like this, where nearly 100% of of funds were distributed. They had some sense of of shame if they were caught with that where they would go, Oh, look, let's make it sixty five, thirty-five or but they're completely shameless and they're going, Oh, yeah, well, we've just decided to give it to our electorate and and stuff you, so you don't like just, it. They
0: were so. just less open about it before, you think?
1: And there was a fear that there would be retribution if they were caught and found out. And now mm. there's no fear. They just go, fuck it. And this is the problem is I'll just sort of move on to my next little bit here. Yeah,
2: that was just a comment from John. There, he said that that wasn't Gladys; it was Barra Barra Bar- no, Bar- Bar-Lar- Bar-Lar- uh, J- uh
1: No, that was Gladys, right. and Barilar-Go, um has come out recently and said similar stuff. Right. But okay. uh, this is from an article in Crikey, John. So Gladys said it originally, and uh, and more recently, it's um, Barilaro has been saying it. So right. But
0: they all do it, don't they?
1: Well, liberal.
0: National, Labor, they all do it.
1: Well, certainly, um, certainly the Morrison government has done it, and certainly the Bereziklian government has done it. Can can you give me the example of Anastasia Palaszczuk's government court doing that? Can you name?
0: I can't give you an example. Maybe she hides it more effectively. I don't know. What?
1: But- So let's wait until it's actually shown. But we know the Morrison government did it with the sports rorts. Mm. We know Barry Jicklian's done it. Uh, And I would not be surprised if there's tinkering at the edges in all, you know, governments. But let's wait until somebody comes up and shows, okay, this Palaszczuk government did something just as bad. So until they're actually caught, let's wait and see. But it's just... Um, here's my point. I've, I've got this paragraph from somewhere. I don't know where I got it from, but Trump may have failed to break the American system this time, but he has provided a roadmap for future demagogues. Unfortunately, he has revealed that it is not as difficult as one thought. Many of the constraints on autocracy that American th- Americans thought were built into the constitutional system were actually just norms, traditions, and guidelines. And Trump has proven how easily they could be swept away.
0: But they weren't swept away.
1: Trump didn't sweep them away? No. What did he do? Nothing. Well, he, They stayed in place.
0: He refused to accept the result of the election, but, but the government functioned. The government but, this, carried this, on.
1: This is more than just the election. This is his whole four years in government of of sweeping away what were gentlemanly understandings about the way politics operated were just swept away. There, There are sort of unwritten customs. Not appointing your family. Can you give
4: examples? Not appointing your family, not staying in your own resort. So yes. So the secret service have to pay you money.
1: Not having visiting dignitaries stay in your hotels. And and, <laughs> and 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 these are all sorts of not feathering your own nest. Things like providing your tax return so that everybody knows what you've got and whether that's going to influence your decision. Like there yeah. isn't a law that says the president must provide all that detail. Mm -hmm. That was Mm -hmm. just a custom that was swept away. And it's just sort of showing that we can no longer rely on people adhering to customs. You're going to have to put these things in in law.
2: And, you know, I Mm. just think that you've got to go back to Trump calling on Mike Pence to actually stand up and say that the election was stolen from him. Mm. And Mike Pence, to his great credit, said, I cannot do that. I've got to do with what the Constitution says. But if you had someone who didn't have you know I can't believe I'm actually giving Pence any sort of credit here but there was if, a
3: line that even he wouldn't cross yeah, exactly yeah. so if he had someone so the system if, if, worked but Paul if you, had, talk if, you about had,
2: if you had someone in that position as the vice president who didn't think anything about a line being there except something for him to dance over
0: what could he have done?
2: Well he could have actually voted to overturn the election I don't think so Well, we'll have to wait and see,
0: but that was the whole point. That's why you had these nutters there in there saying, Hang Mike Pence. I don't think he could just you know, the vice president just say, Ah, bugger it, we're not gonna count this election. He didn't have that power.
2: He didn't he didn't actually have to vote the way he did. He voted for he voted to he voted to bring on he voted to carry the election results as they were cast in the electoral college. Hmm. Which he didn't have to vote that way if no, he didn't choose to
0: I don't think by himself he could have overturned the election. There was no well, way he could do that.
2: Well, we'll have to wait and
0: see. But I just well, think it's t- done. It's a done deal.
2: I know it's a done deal, but don't you think that you've got to be concerned about that sort of thing? If you got if you got a president up there actually saying that, Oh, it's up to Mike Pence now.
0: You know, that's oh, well No, that that was Trump being, you know, being expressing his wishful thinking that, that Pence could stop it. I don't think in reality Pence could have overturned the election by himself.
1: No way. So you don't think modern politicians have learnt that they can ignore a lot of the accepted norms that previously were not written down but were accepted practice? Trump
0: was crass. He was, you know, what's what's the word? He He was an imbecile. No, he wasn't an imbecile, but he was a a narcissist and not a very nice person. I don't want the listeners to think I'm an admirer of Trump in any way because I'm not. But I get tired of people saying Trump broke the American system. He didn't. It continued. I mean, you know, some, some of the th- comments I see on Facebook discussions... You don't have to
1: say he broke it. You can say he damaged it and has exposed it was already huge cracks that have led the way now for future politicians to take advantage of. I, th- I think like, it's
0: been rotten for a while y- y- through the influence y- y- of money. Y- you don't think he's
1: accelerated but, that, that nah, rotting? You don't really. think he's... Not really. Really?
0: Not really. I mean he was he's crass. He's a you know what's the word I'm looking for? But anyway.
1: He's had no harm to the instit- he's caused no harm to the institutions in America. Is that oh, what you're saying?
0: I don't know about no harm, but certainly the, the system has survived Trump. You know. And I think it, it will continue
1: but, but to but do has, so. Has has it survived Yes, Trump intact and as fully functional as when he started four years ago? Is it in as good a shape as it was when he started? I think like you don't have to it doesn't it's just have
0: American brought, government I think uh, American society has become um, more sharply divided um, you know more tribalistic yeah, of course they have yeah, yeah. but I don't I, think we can lay that you, totally you don't accept this
1: argument that a lot of a lot of um, government relies on some norms of conduct that of are not strictly it, written it. in black and white and Trump has demonstrated if it's not written in black and white I can just completely ignore it and do my own thing. You don't think he's demonstrated to people, you know what, politicians, if you just ignore these unwritten rules and, and push as hard as you like, you'll get away with it? You don't think he's had that effect on politics well, in the world?
0: Uh, it's it's difficult to say, you know. I mean, his his effect on the, on the politics of the world is probably going to take a few years to really assess. Mm-hmm. But when I hear people, and I've seen a lot of them online, particularly Americans, uh, likening Trump to Hitler, that is just ludicrous, you know. It's just absolutely ludicrous. Hitler murdered hundreds of his opponents, even people who helped to get him in, into power.
1: Sorry, what, I've, I was... I was who, did,
0: who did Trump have murdered? Do we know but, of
1: even one? Are you comparing Trump to Hitler?
0: I'm not, but a lot of people do. Oh, and just, no, they don't. No, they do. This
1: is just—it's ridiculous, but they do. They do. That's you—you you don't have to compare Trump to Hitler <laughs> to mount an argument that he has has white anted the the norms and behaviours of politics and government and caused serious damage. Mm. You can say all of that without saying he's Hitler. Okay. See, that's just. Sort of but straw yeah, mat, that's a straw man. No, no,
4: matting. I have seen left-wing press comparing him.
1: But you'll find somebody saying <laughs> that about anybody. Like they're yeah, saying people, Joe Biden's a socialist. People say a lefty about Scamo, like, don't say, they?
4: In
0: Australia, some yeah, idiots call Scammo. Yeah, there'll a always a be Nazi.
1: somebody saying yeah, something. Exactly. But as a general accepted line, people are not saying. For a start, Trump's not as <laughs> as. As strategic and as organised as Hitler, well, so that's an insult to Hitler. What about Biden? Really? His yeah. first
0: day in office, he signed how many executive orders? Yeah, twelve. This is or autocracy. Right. This is autocracy. Mm. He didn't put them through the House. People didn't vote for them. He just sat down and wrote a number of executive orders. This is yeah. autocracy, pure yeah, and simple. but those executive orders that he was but signing
2: he was the executive. He was reversing the executive orders that Trump put through. So what? That's he was still, voted in.
0: He's still. An autocrat, but hang on. On his first day in As, office, can you be he a democratic, like
1: an autocrat? Can you be a democratic autocrat?
0: Well, he was an he was elected. Hitler was elected, and then he became an autocrat pretty pretty smartly, but didn't Joe he? Joe
3: Biden was elected, yeah. So but give him time, and, and, and so we are democratically elected. So is Trump democratically but, but, elected? Yeah, Let's and the whole point it.
1: of democracy is when you're elected, you change things.
3: Oh. That's the whole point of getting into power. Yes, but aren't they supposed to put? present bills
1: to the congress no, no these are executive no these are executive orders that a president executes that's the whole point of them is yes. you don't go through the house of parliament they're an no. executive order do we have those in australia no good
0: we're a different system. Yes, and I think it's very good that we but, don't. But, but he was playing by the system. But, that, but look, people criticised Trump for doing exactly that. No, and then
3: no, Biden no, gets no, they it didn't. No, first no, 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 office,
1: no, no. People did not criticise Trump so much for for well, the fact that he used executive orders as the fact of the nature of the orders that he actually made oh. it, because they said okay you've got the power okay but
3: Double it's, it's one standard for Trump another no, standard for Biden no yes. you're missing the point do you did you
1: understand the difference I was making there
3: i do so the point is you're it,
0: saying it's not okay for Trump to to, to make executive orders no, but it's okay I, for no, Biden no i didn't say that
1: why why is well, you said
0: he was elected no, so it was, it's okay it
1: was the nature of the trump Orders that what? people objected to. Yeah. And so as soon as they got into power, the Democrats said, out with that and in with but ours. Did but they ask the Congress to vote on changing the government? You them don't back. on executive orders. Yes, that's but the- that's the whole point. No, executive it's not. Executive orders are autocratic. But that's the way it's written. That's, oh. that's the way it's designed. That's look, the way the why, American system... Yes,
0: but why criticise Trump for his executive orders and not it was, Biden? It was, it was the nature because of them. Biden
1: was simply... It was, the, un- it, it was because he used... The, the executive orders he made were things like, I'm going to build a wall... And people, it wasn't the fact that it was an executive order. It was that's a shitty idea. A it's, lot of people liked his idea. Yeah, remember and, and exactly, Trump announced but, that but, during his election can you, campaign can you
0: in two thousand and sixteen. I'm going to
3: build a wall. Paul, you're interrupting
1: people me. People voted for it. Paul, can you accept my point? It wasn't that they said this is um, executive orders and autocratic. It was this is a shitty order. We acknowledge you can oh, do it, and presidents make. Order. Presidents make executive orders, but that's the nature of American power. You're suggesting that Biden... You're applying Demo-
0: a double standard, Trevor. I'm sorry.
1: No, well, I'll let the dear listener um, work out that. No. But the whole point of... I'm sorry, Paul. Yeah. But the whole point of American uh, political structure is the president, as the head of the executive, has certain powers that he can make without reference to the parliament. Which
0: is a shitty and, idea, I think you'd agree.
1: And... um. It's quite normal to do that and it would be obscene for a president who's been elected on a promise to get rid of Trump's orders to then go into and get power and not reverse what? them. He he went obscene. to the people. He went to the people and said, "Vote for me because I'm going to get rid of these oh orders."
0: No, Trevor, the proper way to do it is put it to the people, they, put it to the Congress, the elected representatives and say Trump instituted these measures, let's vote on it. Let's do it the Democratic way and let's vote it on it through the Congress. So the
1: Republicans can exercise executive power, but the Democrats can't?
0: I'm not saying they can't. I'm saying they shouldn't. Biden was doing very little different to Trump on his first day in office. I'm sorry. But- I disagree.
2: I think he was just reversing those Trump um Do you executive know that orders? for a fact? Ah, uh, well, well, all of them no. that, were, that he was signing were
1: reversals. It's basically like, reversals. He, like,
2: he, he was reversing the decision to walk away from the WHO. He was reversing the decision to walk away from the Paris Agreement. Yep. All those sorts of things well, were done by executive order yep. by Trump. Biden comes and he says, I'm going to reverse those executive it's orders. Still not democratic, though, Well, me? he was
1: democratically <laughs> elected. That's the system. Now, you, your argument should be, Paul, not that um, Biden's done something wrong... Your argument should be, what a crazy system the Americans have where they put too much power in the hands of a president with executive power. I do think so, And And really, what a great system we've got where the executive is essentially drawn from the the parliamentary majority. I do prefer our system. And and so that's really what you should be arguing, I think.
0: But look, I still think if Biden was an honourable man, he would have put it to the Congress. It would be
3: dishonourable to do that. Anyway...
0: I don't think he's any more honourable than Trump on that point.
3: See, dear listener, this is the value of the 12th man because if it was just Scott and I and I would have said that thing about, about uh, Trump and we would have uh, looked at each other, nodded our heads and go, yeah, that's right, and uh, we would have moved on. And that, and we, would, we wouldn't have explored this the way we did, even though that might have been frustrating for some of you. Anyway.
0: No, Chris Turner, I, I disagree.
1: All right. Okay. Um... Oh, I found this meme. I assume it's correct. But apparently Apple um, was telling its uh, workforce to stop using um, terms like master slave and blacklist uh, in coding. The language police are enforced. But at the same time was lobbying against a bill aimed at stopping forced labour in China so they could continue to produce stuff cheaply in China. So uh, sort of... Um, woke virtue signalling on the one hand and greedy power grabbing on the other. Right, uh, a little bit on China. I'm sure we'll be in agreement on this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, here's a statistic to ponder. In 2009, the size of the retail goods market in China was 1.8 trillion, compared to 4 trillion for that market in the US. 10 years later, the respective numbers were 6 trillion and 5.5 trillion. That's huge. The market for sort of just as a buying market, the Chinese economy is now greater than the US one. And according to this writer in the John Menagee blog, uh, all of this stuff about China and the different forces lining up behind the Americans, the reality is that it's the economy that speaks and all these other countries are going to be wanting to sell stuff to china and it's a huge market and that's what's going to tell at the end of the day is not as much as much chinese sort of military power as its buying power is going to be a big influence on what happens in foreign affairs
0: it's a disgrace
1: right <laughs> because people are just doing it for money
0: that's right right they're sacrificing you know several centuries of political and social progress, just to make a few bucks. Mm. I mean, you know, another, what, 20, 30, 50 years, we'll look back on this as a sort of, you know, pre-World War II moment, you know, where people acquiesced to Hitler's expansion and his When, plans. Was, when
1: was McCarthyism?
2: McCarthyism 50s. was
1: 50s. 50s. Oh. Yeah. Maybe we'll look at it as post-World War II, McCarthyist era.
0: No. I don't think so. I don't think it has any comparison with McCarthyism. But it's it's a big but, moment in history because yeah. China is on the ascendancy, no yeah. doubt about it, and it's not for the good of humanity.
1: Because under the McCarthyist era, it was like there's reds under the bed everywhere and, if you know, is everyone a, commi- a commo and who's a commo and there was a search for people who were yeah, sympathetic some idiot, to Some communists. idiot in the, in, among mm. the listeners mm.
0: accused me of having that sort of mentality right. which is absurd.
1: Right. Well, there is an argument that... Uh, some commentators would say that we're in an almost McCarthyist era when it comes to China. It's not
0: McCarthyist.
1: Mm. China is sort of finding is a, things that aren't there. Is sort China of is
0: run by an autocratic, dictatorial, mm. ruthless government that treats mm. its own people like furniture. Mm. And people think it's okay to support that government by trading with it. We, mm. we are, in fact facilitating China's expansion and rise by continuing to
1: trade with them. I think we need to draw the line and say, sorry, but unless What should we do with all the businesses who deal with China and are gonna lose other customers? And if there are no customers
0: then tighten our belts because it's going to be a rough ride. But and, and, in the and long we run
1: compensate those in ones? the
0: long run, we should not be facilitating the rise of a ruthless anti human mm dictatorship like the Communist Party of China, they are not going to be good for the world.
1: Mm. Right. Um,
0: And people will look back on this moment in history and say, what were they thinking just in a how much money they could make out of China without the long-term view of what the consequences were going to be for humanity and the world at large?
1: mm. I could push back, but I won't. Oh, uh, go ahead. No, we've done China enough to death in the past. But that's just an example for Patrick at the beginning. He said, i have just put it in your pushback. Sometimes you just have to let things go and we come back to them at different times. <laughs> um, Craig Kelly and Tanya Plibersek met up in the halls of parliament and, um, and basically Craig Kelly has become famous or infamous on his Facebook Page for promoting what are seen as um, sort of conspiracy theories. Sort of, they're not conspiracy n- theories.
0: Uh, he was promoting mm, alternative medi- medications for well,
1: treating COVID. Well, he, he basically accuses the um, the mainstream scientists of of not uh, accepting good alternatives that are out there. You know, which really relies on a conspiracy where basically the Why the is main it a conspiracy well because they all because collectively have decided not to use say hydroxychloroquine so, Which
2: has been proven that so, doesn't so, so, work so he thinks hydroxy he you thinks think it hydroxy, been hydroxy has. Has been
0: proven, it's been proven been it doesn't work. it's being used in some countries around the world and apparently but, 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 to to somewhat bad effect, effectively no no so uh, but, the
4: latest the latest meta-analysis show that hydroxychloroquine has no effect and uh, ivomectin uh, hmm. actually has a deleterious effect hmm.
1: But, Paul, if, if he says hydroxychloroquine works and all of the sort of government scientists around the world in Western liberal democracies are saying it doesn't, then really that's sort of a... He's basically alleging a conspiracy by these groups to not accept hydroxychloroquine. I, I don't so think
0: conspiracy is the right word. And obviously, no. you, you, you know, every time hmm. you attach conspiracy theory to somebody, everybody goes, oh, he must be a nutter, you know. Well, I think he is a nutter.
1: Well, well you're I, entitled I to
0: think so.
2: And
1: I, I mean, I think there's a Catholic conspiracy around certain things, so but, and, that might make and, me and
0: conspiracies are sometimes real. Let's face it. Yes, but I, you know, I was, you know, a little bit disappointed in Tanya Plibersek the way she treated him. She patronised him and she didn't treat him with but, but all dignity. No, well, she's he's entitled to, and, regardless of whether you agree with him or disagree. But, with but him. how was
1: she uh, disrespectful?
0: Didn't you see the video? Yeah. She stood there smiling at him yep. like you smile at a crazy old uncle that's over for the Christmas dinner. You say, yeah. oh, yeah, uncle, yeah, oh, that's a yeah. nice story. Yeah, 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 we all understand. Yep. She was patronising and... But, but,
1: but he was patronising her.
0: I don't think he was. He was yeah. trying
1: he, uh, no, to no, he state was, his case. He was saying to her, you don't understand the science, my dear. You need to speak to Robert Clancy, Australia's most... Um, preeminent immunologist and when you've done that you can come back and apologise to me now if that's not patronising what is
0: I thought she was very patronising but
1: all she said was um, uh, because he said you're spreading misinformation to her and she said I just agree with the chief medical officer and your prime minister that's all I'm doing Mm -hmm. do you not agree with them because that was really what she was saying I thought she handled it Marvellously well. Okay. What, what else was she to do? Um, I say, oh, try well, a good comment, uh, Craig. I'll take that on board and I'll go and look up Robert Clancy straight away. You might be onto something. Yeah, is, is, that that what, would, is that what she needed to do?
0: Well, it might have been more uh, courteous. Just, just,
3: you know, just but, to, but he wasn't exhibiting to courtesy him, to her.
0: You know, to, to try and show yeah. some seriousness, she just looked at him like he was a clown. Well, he is a clown. Well, that's a matter of opinion, but he's still an elected parliamentarian, and he's but, but, but still but is he's entitled to a little bit of dignity and courtesy
1: Well, when he's the one saying to her, "You don't understand, little girl, what's going on read I don't about think he this. said little no, girl. but the mannerism is you don't understand the world the you know, australia's most preeminent guy is saying this, you need to look it up, and when you have, you can come back and apologize to me that's that's when you do that, you're open to. A smile back, I reckon. He seems to have disappeared off Facebook. Right. He's got a huge Facebook following. It's massive. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Look, Look, I'm I'm not a fan of Craig Kelly. I just think, you know, everybody who's elected to Parliament should be treated with dignity, that's Yeah.
1: Well, I don't think... I think he got what he deserved in the sense... I don't think he treated her with dignity. I don't think his comments to her were particularly dignified. Yeah,
0: maybe there was... Anyway,
1: who's Robert Clancy? So... um, Uh, So this is from the University of Newcastle, put out a statement. While the university always respects freedom of speech, Robert Clancy is not speaking on behalf of the University of Newcastle when offering his opinion on this issue. The university has not funded his research since 2009 and he retired in 2013. The university does not consider Robert Clancy a subject matter expert on COVID-19. So that's the university that he's come from. Mm -hmm. And uh, so this is the expert that Craig Kelly was putting forth. And um, he's already outdated. If he's retired in
2: 2009,
5: mm,
1: no, uh,
2: 2013, so he's he's been eight years since he's worked in the field, then mm, Craig Killer's an idiot for even trying mm, to say that he's up-to-date and current.
1: Mm. So he says, he then put a piece in the Sydney Morning Herald, this is Robert Clancy, and he said, um, let me say at the outset, vaccines are critical. They'll save lives. We should all get them. But then he talked about the fact that... Um, Uh, you still need treatment for people who have uh, caught COVID-19, and he is saying that Invermectin and hydroxychloroquine are good treatments to use. And he said, I know Australian health authorities say there's not enough evidence to support their use, and he says he disagrees with them. And he said... um, uh, What he said here was... um, Poorly constructed studies of the antiviral hydroxychloroquine on hospitalised COVID-19 patients mistakenly led to the drug being categorised as a failed therapy. That misunderstanding continues to dominate many official sites, despite there being at least 27 clinical studies in early disease, 10 of which were randomised clinical trials showing a composite level of 63% protection against admission to hospital and or death. Similar data supported use in prevention of infection. I think that's referring to the Rowan Dean study that I dealt with a while ago. I don't
0: think Rowan Dean has done any research, has he?
1: Rowan Dean did a a. Um, He's a journalist. The jury is in, or the jury is out, reference to a to a report. So I think it's a. I think I think they're the same. Unfortunately, this this article by this guy doesn't have a link to what particular study he's thinking about. But he does say in here, um, where is it? Uh, I wanted to find the bit. Um, I can't find it. Anyway, the um, National Science Reporter from the Sydney Morning Herald, Liam Mannix, writes, The National COVID-19 Clinical Evidence Task Force, a federal government-funded body made up of scientists and doctors from the nation's medical and scientific societies, strongly recommends against using hydroxychloroquine to treat or prevent COVID-19. It strongly recommends against using Invermectin outside clinical trials. The evidence shows hydroxychloroquine and Invermectin are not effective in treating or preventing COVID-19. Hydroxychloroquine poses multiple risks to people who take it, the task force has concluded goes on. So that's the sort of Craig Kelly position. That's the position of Robert Clancy. That's the accepted position of the nation's medical experts that the government has employed. Dear listener, come to your own conclusions about that based on all that.
4: I'll have to find the link to the paper that was published uh late December, early January. Which basically said ivermectin actually led to worse outcomes, mm. and hydroxychloroquine was ineffective.
1: Mm. I want to find this bit here.
0: I think you guys are adding an N. There's no N. Ivermectin, isn't it?
4: Um, <laughs> oh, possibly could be.
1: Don't claim to be an expert on the it enunciation. Is.
2: Ivermectin. I v e r m mm. e c t i n.
0: It's a minor point, but it's <laughs> uh-huh. something uh, I noticed. Sorry. Because you're anal retentive, Paul.
1: No, no, I'm not. <laughs> I try to go every day, Scott. <laughs> oh, I'm just trying to find this bit that he said it was... Uh... No, can't find it. Okay. So that was that, Craig Kelly and Tanya Plibersek. Let's talk Catholics. We mentioned submarine Catholics before. Somehow in my notes I stumbled across this thing, which was the Australian Catholic Mass Attendance Report of 2016. And the highlights are, dear listener, for Catholics out there, uh, 11.8% of the Catholic population would attend Mass regularly. Not many is at
0: 11.8. I reckon they're lucky to get 11.8 these days.
2: I'd be surprised if it's above 10 right now because, like, I just look at the mm. local church that's so just around the corner from me and they've gone from having uh, three services on Sunday down to two. Yeah. Mm. And their Saturday service is looking a bit like that too. Yeah.
1: Mm. Because
2: all the shit that came out in the Royal Commission, people have turned around and said, well, fuck it, I'm not going anymore. That's right.
1: Well, the people are going, who are they? And the percentage of mass attenders born in non-English-speaking countries has risen from 18% to 37%. So uh, immigrants from non-English-speaking countries trot along to mass Um while as those born in Australia or other English-speaking countries, they're not going. And most of the people going, well, a third of the attenders are aged between 60 and 74, so old people, and three out of every five are women. So basically, non-English-speaking background or very elderly and more probably female. There we go. That's and who goes the, to a Catholic mass. It's been a
0: trend for decades, literally for decades. But in Europe, they have a lot of um, priests who are, in fact, African. Mm. Because they just can't find enough Europeans who mm. want to become priests anymore. Yeah.
1: I've been to a funeral at Sandgate not so long ago. And it was a, obviously, Filipino um. A mm. few of them, yeah. Too. yeah. So, struggling to find them. Yes. Mm. In Brazil, that's why in Brazil they're trying to change it so you can have married priests because it's mm. becoming dire trying to find priests I think in Brazil. That's
0: more in the remote areas yeah. than in the cities, yeah. Mm.
1: Yep. Mm. Okay. Um, who is going well uh, in terms Hillsong. of attendance would be Hillsong. Uh, it's popular, and I thought it was the music, but after this article from the Courier-Mail, I, I've, I've got a new theory. <laughs> you ready for it, Paul?
0: I know what it is.
1: The wife of Hillsong founder Brian Houston has proclaimed the need for women to lose weight to keep their husbands aroused and to exercise their plumbing bits to obtain orgasms during sex. Plumbing bits? Mm. Shedding light on her energetic sex life, co-founder and senior Hillsong pastor Bobby Houston espouses the benefits of staying trim to keep a man's interest. (laughs)
3: And offers practical advice
1: in a book and three CD
3: audio box set entitled... Kingdom women love and value their sexuality. You're pretty good, aren't you? A book and a three C D audio box. Why not on that
4: DVDs? Topic. <laughs> <laughs> so, so is she also screwing the tennis coach?
3: I what? don't, know. I don't
4: what? know. Who was the um, tennis coach? Uh, the the famous evangelical who's set up a, a university in America. His son was running the university. And, and apparently, his kink was watching his wife get it on with the tennis coach. Oh, uh, right. That was,
2: okay. um, oh, what was his name? Yes. Yeah. It'll come to me later.
1: Like, um, uh, Jerry Falwell. Jerry yes. Falwell. That right. was it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Really?
2: Yes. Yeah. He used to watch his wife getting it from the tennis Jerry coach. Jerry Falwell Jr. Yes. Yeah.
1: Mm. He used to love it. Right. Okay. Uh, sorry, and that Broman in the chat room said, you know, that really is too much information. I don't want to imagine those two rooting. Well, Brahman, bad news. I've got more information for you <laughs> from this article. You might want to turn off now, Broman, this, is, so. this is from um, the wife. This is from Bobby Houston, the wife of Brian. Quote, if I carry weight and I, f- I feel like a retard, how are you going to do anything to surprise your man when you need a hydraulic crane just to turn over in bed? She asks on the tape. Quote, have plastic surgery if it makes you feel better and it is for the right reasons. And girls, pelvic floor exercise. Can you believe I'm saying this? You know, I've heard that orgasm is not as strong if you are really sloppy in that area, <laughs> she says on tape.
0: Interesting In another of excerpt work.
1: of the audio book released in 2003 and previewed and available in Australian Christian bookstore chain, Kurong the modern designer-wearing mother of three, talks candidly about her active sex life and encourages her female Hillsong worshippers to hone good sex skills. Quote, I'm talking about sex in the confines of marriage. Kingdom women should have a very healthy attitude to this amazing dynamic, she says. I was reading a secular men's health magazine on a plane. It was funny. It said, Don't worry about the Kama Sutra position. Five thousand and four. Most men don't care They have trouble assembling things a Swing set on a Christmas morning Quote We need to be good at sex ourselves So if the world happens to come knocking We can tell the story of God in our lives Without being lurid or untruthful I have a great marriage And a great sex life
3: Without being lurid <laughs> <laughs> This goes on for a book and three audio CDs Oh for goodness sake
0: No. There she is? Yep. God almighty. One final quote. Queen of the kingdom. One
3: one final quote. When it comes to personal hygiene and maintenance works, for example, get your teeth fixed. A mouth is supposed to be very desirable, she preaches.
0: I agree with her on that point. (laughs) I've always admired nice teeth. There you go. But, you
2: know, she's ignoring the fact that, you know, Let's face it, I'm going to sound like a frightful snob here, but if mm. you've got bad teeth, it's usually because you're from the lower socioeconomic classes and you can't afford to go to a friggin' dentist. Mm. Often true.
1: Mm. Okay, so that was that. Um, oh, I'll skip the Alan Jones one. It's hard to follow up, the Hillsong one. Um, <laughs>
2: What was wrong with Alan Jones?
1: Oh, okay. All right. Um, That was quite interesting. Okay. All right. Thank you, Scott. Um, No
2: worries. It's
3: fine. I'll
1: I'll go back to it then. So he was forced to publish a correction um, for his railing against COVID-19 restrictions in Victoria after the broadcasting watchdog found he had misrepresented the research on the effectiveness of masks and lockdowns. So effectively, he sort of cherry-picked from a research report which gave a misleading impression of what the researchers were saying about the effectiveness of masks and lockdowns. So it's interesting to remember, isn't it, that there is actually a broadcasting watchdog mm. that can crack down on broadcast on television and radio, but mm. I don't – does it apply to Podcasts. online magazines? <laughs> Like the spectator, because if it does, what have these guys been doing if like I don't know it's- right I don't know where they I don't know whether they're covered or not, mm. but anyway, the broadcasting watchdog was able to say to Alan Jones, um, what you said was misleading and deceptive, and you need to clarify, and he was forced to do it What do you think of that, Paul? No, should there me. be a watchdog doing that sort of thing, or should it just be a free market of? I think you the want press to
0: should be pretty much free. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Cuz I thought that would be a restriction on freedom of speech. There's another no. restriction on freedom of well, speech. It is. And, that, and uh, I mean,
0: it depends on who's mm-hmm. running the the watchdog as to what is allowed and what isn't. So mm-hmm. no, I wouldn't agree with that. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, I think they've actually got pretty good reasons there. They said that he didn't actually talk about this um
1: report honestly. Exactly. That, like, so
2: he was who's, who
0: decides, Scott. See, that's Well, I think point. it's a fairly cut and
2: dried no, look at you look at that you just you see that he's cherry picked it and that sort of stuff
1: and you can you draw Trump, very different conclusions. we have tribunals and ombudsmen and all sorts of people who decide these things all the time yeah, when there's more. dispute between people sorry i
0: believe I, in a free press
1: mm, thought you would um foreign progress in the middle east so one of trump's achievements was the united arab emirates and morocco agreed to recognize israel that's something positive isn't it mhm so that's on the plus side. On the downside, it was on the condition that they could purchase uh, 23 billion and 1 billion worth of US made weapons, respectively. So it was a quid pro quo on yeah, that.
2: But don't you think you he say who actually said that? Noam Chomsky. Noam Chomsky, yeah, who's mm. a known socialist and all mm. that sort of thing. So I think remember.
1: he'd be quite right on the facts of that, though.
2: That wouldn't surprise me. Mm. I just thought you should mention who actually mm. said it.
0: But the Americans have been selling weapons to them for decades.
2: It's,
1: yeah, I know that. It's not
0: exactly new, is
1: it? No.
2: Yeah, but you've got this whole thing that if they only the provisor that they could purchase twenty three billion and one billion dollars worth of U.S. made weapons.
0: Mm. It was probably always going to happen anyway.
1: Mm. Um, what else have we got here from the Courier Mail? Unhappy couples who split will be forced to wait two years for a divorce under controversial plan to repair broken marriages. Yeah. Federal Parliament's family law inquiry is considering the marriage mending proposal by the Australian Family Association. No. The conservative AFA has told the inquiry that some European countries require a three-year waiting period. So we basically got an inquiry going on that's looking into extending the separation period beyond one year. Scott, you sound like you have a firm opinion on this I have
2: a very firm opinion on this. I think that, you know, I don't want it to be like it is in the US where you just say, I want a divorce. No worries. You can have a divorce. You get the divorce the next day. I honestly believe a 12-month separation and that type of thing where you can quote uh, irreconcilable differences should be all that is necessary for anyone to get a divorce. And Mm. this is bullshit.
1: So, yeah, so the Australian Family Association has made a submission and they're also saying it wants to end no-fault divorce by giving wounded partners the right to demand damages for infidelity. No, no. Dear,
2: dear
3: listener, before we brought in no-fault divorce,
2: you used to have people used, used to be
3: running around have, hiring private no, investigators, investigators to, to, catch to catch their, their partner. partners
2: banging someone else.
0: <laughs> or that, make it up.
2: <laughs> exactly. That was the whole point. You had to go through all that. Garbage and that sort of stuff to prove that they're unfaithful before you can get a fucking divorce. That's right. This is this is absolute nonsense that you've got an organisation like that saying that they have the right to get involved in people's marriages like that.
1: Scott, it, don't worry. The inquiry, it's okay. Mm. It's being chaired by Catholic MP and father of five, Kevin Andrews. Yeah, so who's nothing. a dick.
2: Actually, I, was, I was really <laughs> pleased to see that... Um, I'd love to find out who that what the religious line is from that guy that actually took Kevin Andrews. Um, I think it'd be seat. pretty
1: conservative. Yeah, I know. So be this, the, this pre- so Kevin Andrews, dear listener, was yes. rolled in pre-selection exactly,
2: which oh, was, was it? Yes, yes, it was beautiful that it happened. Yes. Yeah. But anyway, he's, he's still in parliament now. Though, he's still he? in parliament now until the end of the next term, until mm-hmm. the end of this term. Mm-hmm. But you know, now one of the things that Kevin Andrews he was the guy that was actually pushing for the. Um, Uh, reversal of the Northern Territory's Voluntary Suicide Act. So the Territories actually now put their hands up and said, "Uh, can we have that revisited, please? Now, one would hope that the federal government actually grows a pair and says, yep, we'll open that up again. And if that debate goes the right way, then you could have the ACT and the Northern Territory back in the game again. So the
1: Northern Territory... I think had passed laws to allow voluntary assisted, voluntary assisted dying, dying and, and Kevin Andrews passed Kevin Andrews introduced a private members, members bill
2: to knock that on the head which yeah. was yeah. yeah and at the time it was ridiculous because you had uh what was that big bloke that was the leader of the ALP? he used to be a um he used to be a minister Kim Beasley, Kim Beasley. Mm. And Kim Beasley and John Howard on the same side of that You know, it was absolutely ridiculous that they were actually both trying to snuff out that law. Kim Boosley too. Yeah. Yeah. Right. There we go. And I remember there was a guy that was, I can't remember what his name is, but he was the transport minister in the Hawke government. He stood up there and he banged his hand on the dispatch box and he said, my life belongs to me, not to the state. Hmm. And I thought to myself, I agree wholeheartedly with you.
1: Uh, Joel in the chat room says that's horrible for people being abused by their spouse and... Joel, I think in the fine print here, the AFA was saying they would allow a quicker divorce in the in the instance of, um, yes, AFA says divorces should be granted sooner if a husband or wife has been convicted of a violent or sexual offence or threatened physical violence against a spouse or children. Yeah, well, guess two, what's going to they, happen? They're
2: going have to go and get... Fucking evidence of that, aren't well, they? Well,
1: or or it's threatened physical violence. So guess what? People are going to say, "I want a quick divorce because my Sounds husband or my threatened wife to, threatened me, beat me up." Yeah, it's just going to get
0: ugly. Yeah. In just, other words, people are going to tell lies. When yeah, exactly. It's completely unnecessary. It's
2: it was. Com- it just, it's completely unnecessary under the current circumstances. You just got to wait twelve months.
3: They're obsessed yeah. with people's bedrooms. Absolutely. The, the you know, Morrison government. They are obsessed. You
2: know, there was a beautiful line in. Um, oh god What well, can't i think what the name is of the show is it's about it's got um it's the west wing the west wing and there was a line in that where um the josh Lyman was talking to a republican congressman and he said yeah you're all about small government you want it so small it can fit in my bedroom
3: <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you can crawl through the keyhole and have a good look exactly but, yeah but don't you think
0: it's it, it's a bit more than just the bedroom i think um People like Andrews are concerned with the longevity of the institution of marriage and, you know, the impact it has on children and things like that. I mean, I'm not saying I agree with him, but I think that's where they're coming from.
5: Mm.
2: Yeah, but it, I just, I
0: personally think 12 months is, is about right. Yeah.
2: It's one of those things. You've just got to give people the benefit of doubt and you've got to think to yourself... I, No one's going to go into a marriage quickly and get out of a marriage quickly. Unless, of course, they've won one of those competitions on reality television.
3: Yeah. You
1: know. Married at first sight. Exactly. I don't think there's been any obvious sort of social problems arising from 12-month separation rule. No. If you
2: go back back to having to get evidence for everything, it's a load of nonsense. It's
1: a bunch of people looking for a problem that doesn't exist. Exactly.
2: Mm. And, you know... Also, to those people out there, I don't think any of our listeners are like this. No, they wouldn't. It's be. been two years or three years since we've had marriage equality. Has the sky fallen down? Mm. No. Have Have a majority of gay men gone out and get married? No. Mm. You know, it's just one of those things. Me and the better half, we just wanted the I right, right. I don't to know,
1: Scott. I mean, they passed that law. The next thing we know is a fucking pandemic around the world. I mean. <laughs> <there's>, <laughs>
4: It's, I'm
1: just saying. Satanists in our schools. Yeah, and Satanists in our schools. Like <laughs> Scott. It
3: could be, like Scott,
1: could be like,
3: coincidental, but who knows, right? Exactly. Just,
2: <laughs> just saying. <laughs> well, that's fine. I'll, I'll turn up next week in my pe- pink triangle then,
1: shall I? So. Three cheers for One Nation Senator Pauline Hanson who slammed the plan as painful. If you've made up your mind, you don't want to be together. Why drag it out for two or three years, she said. You've got to cause more grief and pain. Sometimes it's better to finish and move on with your life. Has Pauline Hanson ever said anything more sensible in her life? I I can't recall it. Mm.
0: She's sounding eminently sensible at Mm. last, yeah.
1: Mm. (sighs) Look, Paul, you send through spiked and spectator articles all the time. Yeah. And just to prove that I do look at them. Thank you. And Thank sift you, through them. Thank you Trevor. There's one here dear listener from Spiked about Maori medical students in New Zealand. Uh, this is where a father made a complaint because his hardworking son had a very high score at academic score uh, was turned down for admission at medical school in New Zealand and according to this spiked article, and I haven't been able to confirm these exact numbers, but anyway, here's what they said. In 2020, the medical school had 202 places available for first-year students entering from this preliminary year. Of these, 120 were given to those entering under special categories. 58 claimed to be Maori. 20, Pacifica. One, Maori Pacifica. 29 claimed rural category placings. 11 were granted placings in a low socioeconomic category, one under a new refugee category. That left 82 general entry places out of the original 202. And that made it pretty tough to get in if you were just white Anglo-Saxon. And um, that seems to be... The case, that that's definitely the way it's panning out there, and I found an article from the Otago Daily Times. Maori students studying medicine at the University of Otago say they are fed up with the ignorance they face over the way they are selected in their second year of study. Once Maori students who have used the pathway make it to their second year of study, they are required to sit the same exams and reach the same standards to qualify as doctors like other students. Third-year medical student Tiana, Tiana Miharere has been told on many occasions the Maori entry pathway is wrong and unfair. I remember being in the dining hall one time and some girl was having a moan about how unfair the pathway was and it was just real blatant dumb-ass racism. But it's a big problem. Every Maori student that does health science will have experienced some form of racism during that year. So the Maori student was accusing the white girl of racism. So there's a program where you can get into medicine in first year under these special categories. And then once you've got in, in order to get to second year, you have to pass a test like everybody else. But you did get the advantage of getting into first year
0: it's a big leg up.
1: Based on the colour of your skin.
0: Yeah, or your ancestry.
1: And in my mind, I just keep thinking there could be a Maori son or daughter of a multi-millionaire, extremely privileged, who uh, gets a inside running on a, on a seat. I don't mind the one where it says uh, 11 places for low socioeconomic category. I'd beef that up. and um, But to basically make it on the basis of race is racist.
0: Racist, yes.
1: In the chat room, you probably want to disagree with us, but I just (laughs) think it's the road to ruin on that one.
0: Any any kind of legislative or administrative requirement based on your ancestry or your ethnicity is by definition racist, isn't it?
1: And it's well-intentioned in the sense of wanting to promote these things, but also... uh, other people disadvantaged were uh, Asian and Chinese because they weren't considered. Yeah. They they mm. weren't considered and, anything and special in this. And um, um, they're not a they're not a minority who got special mm. uh, attention in this in this field. Yeah. So and it was found.
0: Mm. Sorry about my phone. Mm. It was found uh, in the United States. There was there was some prestigious universities that mm. were taken to task for uh, deliberately sort of trying to reduce the number the, of Asian American. They won that court case and, though, and though and didn't they? they?
1: Yeah, uh, I can't remember what the final answer to that was, but because
0: yes. they were afraid it was be- becoming
1: too Asian, yeah, too yes.
0: overrepresented yes. by hardworking, studious yes. Asian students. Yes, so they wanted more of a spread, more of a racial spread. Didn't matter mm. about their academic performance; mm. it was what they looked like that counted. Mm. Racist.
5: Mm. So,
1: Sympathies. Uh, to New Zealanders over that one. And that's just a mistake, I think. Um, We had last week a talk about the Magna Carta and we were discussing uh, if you were to read the original um, Magna Carta as it was written, would you understand it? And I've got something from Deep Throat. And I think what I'll do actually is I'll play it at the end, Scott. You can put your headphones off because uh he's given us a couple of minutes there deep throat not many podcasts have an sort of an in-house expert on ye old english
2: no we're very fortunate to have deep throat there
1: we are so deep throat left uh some messages um on the speak pipe and that will be at the end of the podcast dear listener where you get to hear what the magna carta first paragraph would have sounded like um as it was written so and a little bit of a blurb from um deep throat he says "Uh, hi trevor Yes, I could not help myself. I responded to your questions. To me, uh, use it if you will, but do not feel obligated to do so. I've sent it in two parts. Da, 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 da. So anyway, I've got the notes of what he's written there, and you can look at those, and you'll be able to listen to it at the end, the Magna Carta as it was written. Thank you, Deep Throat. How are we going for time? Eight forty-five. Um, I was listening to Friendly Geordies podcast. Um, And it was suggesting that Labor's catching up on Morrison in terms of Liberal National, uh, on the sort of polling. Have you you heard anything like that? Were they starting to catch up? I haven't heard anything like Mm -hmm. that. He was basically arguing that a small target um, strategy of Albanese's is working. So we've been bagging Albanese for not saying anything or doing anything. And the alternative view is... Just provide a small target so that you give the Murdoch papers nothing to run with um, and just appear to be an insufferably nice guy with nothing to say and you could sneak your way in. Do you think it's a. Like Biden. The, did, 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 No, <laughs> well, I could. Well, he, uh, he tried to get a small, small target, didn't that's he? That's kind it's true, of it. It's the like. the election. Yep. Yeah,
2: no, he was a small target. Main, his main target, his main target was i'm not donald mm. trump mm. which you couldn't lie about you know, but he
0: also didn't mm. camp uh, go out and campaign nearly as as much as yeah. donald trump either no because yeah. you you've yeah.
2: also right. got the middle of a pandemic and all that sort of thing so he's doing everything but, from his but i basement. think he was a
1: deliberately a small target strategy was, yeah. absolutely yeah.
2: and i don't like small target strategies i don't like them at all mm. i know they work
1: when have they worked scott
2: well, okay, Paul Keating—he was a classic small target tra- strategy right. up against John Houston, who had a very in-depth right. package. Yep, and it was blasted out of the water over a. Um,
1: okay, but Pete Keating was in power, okay. and yeah. and so Houston—that was an argument against a big package. Exactly. Houston had a big. Okay,
2: so yeah. it was yeah. Okay, Houston yeah. had a very big target yeah. around on his back. Mm. Keating didn't didn't present any target. And, you know, after the election and all that sort of stuff, he said, we're not going to have a GST. Then he turned around and he increased the wholesale sales tax on offensive things such as uh, muesli bars. Right. You know, which was really quite offensive. However, I will get off my uh, Liberal Party bandwagon there. Uh, The other small target syndrome was Kevin Rudd.
1: So he was a small target. He was a very small target. He just said, I'm John Howard. Light. Yes. And he
2: said, I'm a a fiscal conservative, blah, blah, blah,
1: blah, blah. blah. Um, By the way, anything I'm going to do differently is I'm going to reverse work choices. So is Albanese just doing a Kevin Rudd? Absolutely. And so it might work.
2: It might work. I don't like them, though. I honestly believe that we've got to have a very deep policy argument and that sort of stuff where you've got to get the public involved. And that is why, you know, call me a, if you want to, a Trevor, a Paul, you can have an attack on me about my freedom of speech thing here. But I honestly believe that we've got to do away with the electronic advertising of political matters. I think we've got to get back to having a genuine policy debate and you've got to get the situation, you've got the the members of parliament out on the back of a ute with a loud hailer.
0: I'm not going to attack you. I agree with you. I think uh, I'd like to see politicians, you know, speak more in detail and in depth about their policies rather mm. than just these throwaway jobs slogans. And growth. Exactly, yeah. jobs and growth. That sort of thing, it's a load of shit. Yeah, these three-word slogans.
2: So. I think we've got to get back. We've got to get back to the old way of doing things. Like you know, I remember when I was really little, there used to be a guy that used to drive around the streets and that sort of stuff. Who was trying to get elected, and he'd have a driver in the van, in the van, and he'd sit there yelling out to people via. That wasn't phone. the ice
1: cream truck. No, it wasn't <laughs> no. the
2: ice cream truck. It was like that though. If- you you have an ice cream truck that you just. Mm. You've got a loudhailer and that sort of stuff that you
3: speak into it, right? And that was- I'm thinking Blues Brothers when you're organising the gig and you're going oh, the streets. Yes. Is, that, is it? was the, the Blues, Nazis, wasn't it?
1: And the Blues Brothers when they're organising their gig and they're mm. and they're cruising no, the streets right. with their lay, loud hailers mm. strapped onto the roof and they're yeah. saying, "Turn up at this place. We'll be we'll be playing. Yes. It's, so it's right. The band's mm. back together." So. Mm. Anyway, um, and Bronwyn Ben has agreed with me twice
2: tonight. Bronwyn, thank you very much. So to, I agree with you, Scott. Mm. Political advertising is designed to mislead, and while we're about it, let's get rid of political donations. Mm. Well, I agree with you also. Political donations, I me think too. they should, I think they should be capped at a thousand dollars from an individual. So none of this shit from unions or, pl- or lobby groups or corporations or anything. It's got to come out from an individual. Mm. I would
0: eliminate all of them, and. You know uh, give money from the taxpayers to each candidate that's a very, very limited amount of money mm. and no corporate donations whatsoever.
1: So somebody like Clive Palmer who's got his own money mm. is he not allowed to spend it?
0: No, he shouldn't be allowed to, no. he shouldn't be allowed to tip his own each money in candidate get an allowance.
1: And that's all they can spend. That's it. So even if they've got more money. So in
0: other words, you level the playing field. Right. And they have to think very, very hard and carefully about how they're going to spend it.
4: Right. It was quite interesting at work on
3: the
1: internal. So it's like a restriction on freedom of speech to some extent. You're, no just a restriction on money. Well, but that's a effectively a restriction of freedom of speech, which you seem to be alike. in favour of. No, they can talk all alone. Like. Well, you've taken a platform away from them. Even though they've got the money and they're wanting to speak, you are restricting their freedom of speech, Paul.
0: I can see your argument, but I just think money corrupts elections. Okay.
1: That, I, look, I'm not disagreeing with you, but I'm just I'm <laughs> pleased that I found an example of where you're happy to accept a restriction on freedom of speech.
0: Yeah, I The sacred it, freedom it, of speech. Yeah, on one level it does look like that, I agree with you. But, mm. you know, I just think... As we see, uh, the people Some, who can pour the most money into an election campaign often do very well. They don't always, but they often do. Sometimes fact, free speech right? has to be restricted. Yeah, but it's not about the speech. It's about the uh, money, you know. They're, like they'll bombard people with, you know, advertising on TV and it might, might not contain a lot of actual information. It could be just, you know, jobs and growth, jobs and growth, jobs and growth, <laughs> over and over and over ad nauseam.
1: Sorry I cut you off Joe but
3: just I had that moment and I couldn't resist. Do you have something you want well, to say two, because it's just things, too good to pass things. up.
4: One is there was a certain very rich politician who got elected recently in America, well a little while back, who got free advertising because he was so outrageous that the news channels covered him for free.
1: Indeed. Yes. Uh, and good point
4: number 2 was there was a big discussion at work, large employer internal message board where certain donations called out in company accounts to political parties Mm -hmm. Uh, and lots of questions were asked internally and eventually it was a yes we bought seats to talk to politicians at some dinner uh, and we do it doesn't matter whatever the party yes and there was a lot of internal discussion about whether that was valid or not Mm -hmm. which is interesting Mm -hmm. so it's not just us there I think there is a lot of concern about it Mm. Do away with all that sort of stuff.
2: I think yeah. I think this whole buying access to people, it's all got to stop.
0: Yeah, lobbying has gone One
1: crazy. of the problems for been. American politicians in particular is they spend so much of their time on the phone begging for donations. Exactly. It must be soul-destroying. Like, secretly inside they must be going, God, I'd love a law that meant we could ban from doing this because they honestly, most of their time is spent on the phone and at functions Um, bringing in money and it doesn't matter if you're in a district that uh, is expected you know that regularly brings in a lot of money because your budget is just higher than the other ones so that it's a terribly uh, soul-destroying business that politicians are in over there so mm. right how good is Australia it depends how you measure it thanks to Broman for this one so Julian Hill he's some sort of Labor MP and he went to the trouble of getting some statistics together and producing a report, and basically it's the sort of thing that Labor can argue when they're talking about the election and saying, well, hang on a minute, this Morrison Coalition government, I mean, the Coalition has been in charge for seven years now, Scott? Uh, Yes, since 2013. Mm. And, you know, what's happened in seven years, and, oh, we've got things here like... um, Productivity, uh, sorry, real wages. We're now, um, real wages in Australia are 0.7% lower compared to six years ago, and we're third last compared to 35 OECD countries when it comes to wage growth. So that's something people need to know. Our labour productivity performance, we are fifth last. Household national debt as a percentage of national GDP. We are second worst. Um, OECD standardised housing price income ratio. We are third worst. Look at New Zealand. uh, New Zealand, yes.
0: I've heard that things are getting very bad in New Zealand.
1: Yeah, I think one of the problems there as well, like us here, is they've allowed a lot of foreign investment. Mm. I think a lot of Chinese have bought properties. real estate. Yeah.
0: Big mistake, I think.
1: Yep. And dwelling prices are... versus average full-time earnings. And it's just frightening how dwelling prices have skyrocketed in the last 20 years. Meanwhile, average full-time earnings have done nothing. So there are graphs there which... Did they make it onto the screen? Well done, Joe. You're on the ball. So that's the sort of thing that that Labor backbencher is doing. Uh, and income inequality, uh, inequality, not good either. And complexity, actually, is... um. Basically, we've got all our eggs in a few baskets, mining and tourism and not much else. And so our economy is very simple and not complex. We don't have a lot of a spread of things that we do compared to other countries. A chart there showing that. And on a climate index, we're second last as well. So the whole bunch of things that really, these are arguments that Labor can run to say, this is what's happened during the conservative government. So don't vote for them. Vote Labor. We'll see what happens. At least somebody's got off his butt and done something. Uh, Paul, you sent through an article from...
0: Luke Wallage.
1: Luke Wallage, Mm. who's some former Labor staffer of some sort. Looked like he was involved in the campaign for Dan Andrews at some point. So Mm. he basically gave a expose of conspiracy theories and basically said there are conspiracy theorists on the left and on the right. Mm. And aren't they all mad? And that was your sort of... At least the spectator has taken a dig at both sides on an, on an item. Well, I
0: just wanted to make the point mm. that the spectator is not an ultra-right-wing propaganda uh, publication.
1: I, I still think it is. One, one swallow does not a summer make, Paul. And even the Australian has Philip Adams writes a column every Sunday in the magazine there. Yeah, he's, so. he's
0: the token lefty on The Australian, oh. isn't he?
3: Exactly, exactly. It's possible to
1: have a, a token lefty I don't type
0: think this thing. this guy so. is, is uh, I, an isolated case mm. though, because I read it fairly regularly and, mm. you know, I come across a lot of criticism of both mm. sides.
1: Yeah, I don't see any criticism of the... I see a lot of criticism of the left, mm. oh, uh, of, definitely of, of politicians. More,
0: more criticism of the left. And the only
1: crit- time I see criticism of the right is... When they're not right when they're not being right wing enough, is, is the only time I see it. Yeah. Um, uh, do I want to go into it? Um I, I'll just give you one example in this Paul. He gave some examples of conspiracy theories by the left. Mm. And he gave one by Michael Moore about a Unocal pipeline. Basically, Michael Moore had this conspiracy theory that the war in Afghanistan and the attacks on September 11 were used to facilitate a unicol pipeline.
0: Did Michael Moore say that, did he?
1: Apparently he did. I wasn't aware of that one. And I haven't investigated enough, but it seems on the face of it that that was a fair enough example by this author of a left-wing conspiracy. But then he says this one. More than half of Democrats surveyed said it was likely or very likely that President Bush had foreknowledge of the World Trade Centre attacks but allowed them to occur in order to create a pretext for the war in the Middle East. Half of Democrats said it was likely or very likely that President Bush knew about the World Trade Centre and allowed them to occur in order to conduct And I thought, that seems high. There was a link there, i pressed on the link, took me to a blog, the blog quoted that same thing, and the blog linked to a survey. The survey was, you couldn't read it, you couldn't access the information, it was old and uh, in any event, Wikipedia talks about the same survey, so I could only read what Wikipedia was saying about this survey, and... It was a survey of 1,010 United States citizens about different things, 4%. And and what it was saying, actually, was that the question was federal officials either assisted in the 9-11 attacks or took no action to prevent them because they wanted the United States to get a war in the Middle East. So it wasn't George Bush. It was federal officials and... The survey was of 1,000 Americans, so presumably somewhere in there it talks about the democratic half of those 1,000. So now you're talking about 500, and your margin of error on a statistical survey where you're down to 500 as your sample size of Americans, you're now getting to the point where it's a pretty meaningless survey when you're down to 500. So I thought that was drawing a long bow to say that. He also says... As an example of a left-wing theory, Russian hacking of the 2016 U.S. presidential election was an article of faith for many of the left for years—a verdict in search of evidence. Well, we know there was Russian interference in the you know, 2000. For well, sure. the U.S. the U.S. authorities have said that there was. So the FBI and the investigative Justice Department have mm-hmm. said there was. It's not in. It's not. It's not an article of dispute. And his other left-wing theory was that Julian Assange is held to be the victim of an extradition attempt from Sweden to the US by means of trumped-up rape rape charges. Well, people aren't suggesting that the US organise those women to have sex with him to raise a trumped-up rape charge. What they're saying is that having been involved in that the U.S. took advantage of the situation to try and get him extradited. That's that's what people are saying. Mm-hmm. So, I think he drew some fairly long bows to try and paint pictures of left-wing conspiracies. Um, he also says here, on the other side of the aisle, Labor's Julian Hill demanded that outgoing President Trump pardon Julian Assange, presumably because he accepts Mr. Assange's conspirational worldview and fantastic explanations for his many troubles one hopes he doesn't have the temerity to wear a white ribbon anytime soon. So that was given as an example of a left-wing conspiracy. And Julian Hill, what he actually said was, uh, he said, the decision not to extradite Mr Assange was welcome, although made for poor reason. The fight to save his life goes on. Scott Morrison should defend him and demand he return home and promise not to extradite him to the U.S., I never thought I'd say this, but Trump should pardon him. It's a long way different from a conspiracy that Julian Hill demands that Trump pardon Julian Assange. That's what I hate about these goddamn spectator writers. You can't trust what they say. And they, you trust they, what they,
0: they, the writers I, in The Guardian say when without they, question. When,
1: them, when they talk you? about facts and what oh, something
0: says... They're no less they, factual than Guardian writers, and f- the, more than
3: a few ABC writers. Every time you bring
1: sensitive. these up, when I actually go to the source,
3: they're completely different but to you the don't picture do the these the same people. with the Guardian. Well, you do it. You find it. I can't
0: be fucking bothered
3: to. Well, be honest. You you find it, but these just smell. Suspicious to me. Yeah, but right? you're,
0: you're always suspicious of The Spectator. But you're I'm never, right. But you're never suspicious of The Guardian. But, but, These but, are your but, ideological but, but, but blinkers. Doesn't that,
1: doesn't that worry you? That you? It read worries this...
0: me that you're always looking for fault with
3: some publications but never looking for fault
1: across but, but, the board. But, but
3: I, I, well, how do you know
1: I don't look across the board?
0: Because you you quote things I don't from find The it. Guardian.
1: But what if that but is the case? not in a critical fashion. What, you're quoted as... What, Factual news. But but when they do quote a report, they actually don't lie about what the report says. The Guardian. No, not like they do in the Spectator. Find me one. If you think it's so obvious, you find me one. You find a misleading representation. They're just as
0: ideologically motivated Uh, as people in the spectator I can find them
1: all the time. Whenever I read these spectator articles, they're hyperbolic straw manning of positions. And The Guardian's not and, hyperbolic. And I I just don't know why you read... the ABC is hyperbolic no, these days. But it's I don't know why you read hyperbolic. when you can't trust what they say. I do tr-
0: well, it's not a matter of trust because, as, as I've told you repeatedly, <laughs> mm. it's an opinion publication.
1: So here's the problem, Paul. Yeah. You keep sending them to me and I just keep arguing when I see them. I, know, I can't help I myself.
0: I know you it, can't help yourself. And, and,
1: and I,
3: I'm just trying to help you.
0: You've got your ideological blinkers on all the but, time. But, but, but
1: the I'm just things. finding facts. Like, I'm it, finding the facts that say... But you don't look for the facts for the others. You only look for you, facts it, on the ones that you suspect. But, but what if it's the case that the spectator are a bunch of liars and the, li- and the Guardian, while biased, and when they're opinion pieces, I grant you, when they give an opinion piece and they talk about wokeness, they talk about Indigenous affairs and... I'm fully with you that their opinions will be left wing and biased. Yeah. But when they talk about what a report says, mm. they don't misrepresent it like these guys no, do. You I'm can't so sure. trust these guys. So you're just suspicious of
0: anybody who but, isn't in but, your ideological but, tribe. But Trevor. with good reason, I'm suspicious no, of the spectator. Reason. Not with good reason. I think you need to if I broaden read, your perspective. No, no. A if bit.
1: I read, say, the Australian or the Courier Mail. Mm. I don't see the same level of misrepresentation that I see in the Spectator,
0: because the, you know the the Australian and the Courier Mail report news. The Spectator does not report news; it, it gives people's to, opinions
1: no, about no, general. No, but it purports to in general the, the, events. But the things that I pick up aren't saying, aren't. I'm not picking up a difference of opinion. I'm picking up factual misrepresentations. That's the point I'm yeah, getting you're
0: at. You're looking for factual misrepresentations but, but I look for them. in the range do like. But
1: I look for them in the Australian and the Courier-Mail. Mm-hmm. You agree I don't like those papers, but when was the last time I said to you, oh, saw this article in the Courier-Mail mm-hmm. and that's a misrepresentation, misrepresentation yeah. of that report? Yeah. I, I don't because they're not there like that. Yeah. They are in the Spectator. And I'm biased against the Courier-Mail and the Australian, yeah. but I don't see them in that in that. I'm looking for them, but I see him in the spectator all the time. Mm-hmm. There we go. If you keep sending them to me, I can't help myself. <laughs> I just I just look through it and I go, oh, what's that one there? Is there a link? I'll look at the link. Oh, fuck, it says something completely different yet again. Okay. Dear listener, 906, we've gone for an hour and a bit. An hour and a half and a bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm away next week in Sydney. If you're in Sydney and you want to chat on a Friday night next week, I think I'll be up for a beer and a pizza somewhere. I'm staying in Parramatta, but oh. I'm not sure. I might meet somebody in the, in the more central area, but we'll talk. So Parramatta's got
0: a lot of uh, mm. restaurants and cafes in the downtown sh- area. Yeah, too. I'm sure there'll be something there. Which so. just didn't mm. exist when I was a kid. Yes. It was dead. Yes. You know, after like about two o'clock Saturday afternoon mm. until, you know, nine o'clock Monday morning, Parramatta was a ghost town. Mm. <laughs> It's changed a lot.
1: Mm. Anyway, yeah. anyway, reach out if you're in Sydney and you want to have a chat. Um, so it'll be two weeks' time. Um, and uh, James Lean says the CBD would be better. Well, with enough people reach out, we'll organise something central, James. I'm happy to jump on a train and meet somewhere central.
4: No, I no, guess. I think he's so- saying cannabis oil would be better than beer and pizza. <laughs> <Right>. Oh, <laughs>
3: CBD uh, would be, be- better. No, no. no, I think he's talking about the simple business. Structure. Yeah, I think he is.
1: Yeah. Um, right, until two weeks' time. We'll talk to you then.
2: Thanks for tuning in. I'll talk to you in two weeks. Bye, everyone.
4: And Thanks. it's a good night from him.
6: Wes Hull, good folk in the land of the podcast. Deep Throtter here. A follow-up from the last podcast in relation to Aaron Fuster's fascination with the Magna Carta. Questions to me were, How different was the English in 1215, if the original words of the Magna Carta were read out? Would we have understood any of it? Iren Fustus' Ye Olde English was actually Ye Olde Latin. Legal documents at the time were written in Latin. Some court documents were in French, and often not even Norman French. Apologies to Joe, the tech guy. So in 1215, lawyers and the church were doing the same thing as today, by speaking in technical jargon or a foreign language. Keep the peasants bamboozled and in the dark, in other words. There is a further complication. The first complete translation into English was in 1534. In 1541, someone issued two pages outlining printing mistakes in the 1534 edition. There are three clauses of Magna Carta that still remain on the statutes in England and Wales, the first one is the example that Iren Fust used. I checked it against the uncorrected 1534 edition, and it is the same as the modern statute. I then hunted out a better translation from the Latin. Although the wording is a lot different, it does to me mean the same, although lawyers might have a field day with it. 1215 was the time of early Middle English, which is an area of interest for me. So for fun, I translated the first sentence into the English of the time, but I took the liberty of not using any pesky Norman French words so the peasants of the time could understand. Again, apologies to Joe the tech guy. So here it is, in the better modern English translation and then in early Middle English. In the first place, we have conceded to God, and by this our present charter confirmed for us and our heirs forever that the English church shall be free and shall have her rights entire and her liberties inviolate. And we wish that it be thus observed. Our first haven way to God is covered. And be this ure writ, jetender for us. And Ur arf names, That English church shall be in And shall haven here riches so And here freedom a broken. And us lusteth that hit thus is seen. So that's me. Ich danke you from Dave Well, dear listener, did you
1: enjoy that episode of the podcast? If you did, I've got a favour to ask. Uh, first up, tell some friends. Let them know about the podcast. You'll be discussing something at some time and you might be repeating something I've said. And when you're talking to your friends, say, hey, I heard this on this podcast and it's worth listening to. And maybe pick an episode that you think is a good one and direct them to it. Like, grab their phone and go to their podcast app and search for Iron Viz Velvet Glove and subscribe <laughs> on their behalf, on their phone, and uh, and just put the word out. The other thing is you could become a patron and support the show. So if you go to our website, you'll see a link to Patreon, and there are some different options for subscribing and paying per episode. And really, the amount that you pay depends on what you get from the podcast. So there's different levels ranging from a fifty Australian to, I think, $10 and various ones in between. It's really, what do you think it's worth? Is it worth a cup of coffee? Uh, is it worth more than that, less than that? Whatever you get out of it, because not everybody gets the same. Maybe you don't. Listen to the whole thing. Maybe you never talk about it with people. Maybe you really couldn't care less half the time whether the podcast is there. It'll be different for everybody. So if you get a lot out of the podcast, contribute a bit more. If you don't get much, contribute less. But in any event, you can subscribe there. If you don't like the idea of a regular subscription, the website has a link to a PayPal donation. So you could just do a one-off donation every now and again. So there you go. It'd be good to uh, spread the word, get a few more listeners and that way, look, if we ended up getting more listeners and more money, we could do maybe a second episode or more special episodes, provide some more content. So it's up to you. If you think it's worthwhile, let people know. Thanks.